Listener Production. You are listening to episode 174 of the Howie Games, part B. Lauren Jackson, the next chapter. On we go. So then explain how do you make the next progression to – so do you then go into WNBL? No. Right. No. So so I didn't understand that. So you you go from a step below WNBL to playing for Australia. Yeah, so um, and I'd only so my like I said, my first game was like late April, early May, and yep. um, then on my birthday on May 11th, I got COVID, so I was out for another week, Ooh. and then I came back, and then I rolled my ankle really bad in one of the games, and um, yeah, I was just a bit of a mess during May, and then um, but I was still posting really good numbers. I think I had like I think I was averaging like thirty points or something, and and um, <laughs> one of my old coaches, so Tom Ma, who's you know the old, he used to coach Australia like in the golden days, and he sort of brought the national team up to to where it was the glory of the Opals, and he um, called me and he's like Loza, if you're a 16, 18, 20 year old kid that was posting these numbers, you'd be in the Australian squad. Wow. doesn't matter what league you're in. He said you'd be in the Australian squad, like you'd be, you know, um, with your height and everything like that too. So, and I was like, you're right, he's right. But I still didn't sort of say anything. Um, but I think there was like a lot of sort of talk going on behind the scenes and stuff. And then, and then, um, yeah, the Opals came to me and sort of said, look, there's fitness testing that we need you to, you know, you have to jump through some hoops to see, you know, how your fitness is. You've got to be able to meet these baseline standards. And if you can do that, we'd like to bring you into a camp at the end of June. And I was kind of like, or it might have been mid-June, I can't remember. End of June it was, actually. So during June I had to, like, jump through all these fitness hoops. And so they're, like, strength testing, like, speed running, all of this stuff, and I was just like, oh. Were, were they difficult? Were, were they were they high standard bar from what you had been doing? So the average of the Opals, of what the Opals right. were able to do, like at my height, so the big, so posts, they've sort of averaged out what they can do and then I had to like meet the baseline standard for each. So I did all this testing stuff and got through. <laughs> so on that, well, as you get through and people are beginning to understand your competitive nature, is there a lot riding on it for you now emotionally? It, like if going into it, are you thinking, if I don't get through, that's okay, I'll just continue? Or if I don't get through, this is going to break my heart again? No, it wasn't. It wasn't like that for me. Because I think in the back of my mind, I was just like, I am never going to get back there. I never thought <laughs> that. I didn't think I'd even play for Aubrey. You know, so in the back of my mind, it was like, there's no way I'll ever get back to that point. Um, but I'm here now, so I might as well give it a crack. You know, like, and again, it was day by day. I was never looking too far ahead. When people asked me about it, I was like, yeah, right. Like, because I didn't think it would happen, but I still just kept about my business and kept training because no matter what, to play for Aubrey, I still had to do all of this stuff. So I wasn't doing it to play for Australia. I was doing it so that I could literally just stay out on the court for Aubrey. So, um, yeah, I, so I went about the testing, I did the testing and I got through, I don't know how I got through, but I did. And I, by this time I'm like starting to get nervous. I was starting to shit myself a little bit. I was like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this again? Why am I here? 
Yes. um, So I go to the first Opals camp, which was in Canberra. And, (laughs) you know, you can imagine what the girls were feeling like too. You know, it's not, it's a very strange situation, right? And um, I walk into my, like, pod at the AIS and Mariana Tolo was there and Killy Froling. And when I tell you I was so nervous, I was so afraid of what they were going to say, what they were thinking, if they thought it was just a joke, because it, it felt like a bit of a joke, really. I mean, it was just I'd been out of the game so long that anyway, I uh, that was so lovely to me and I did not expect that. So those two really took me under um, their wings and, and Tolo I'll forever be thankful for. She's just been such a beautiful friend during this whole thing. But mm-hmm. Keely as well, like that, just beautiful humans. And, um, yeah, they sort of took me under their wing, this 41-year-old ex-Opal and, um yeah, like we're just supportive and the rest is history. Like I went out, we had training against these CO, the COE athletes, the, the boys who, you know, they're huge young kids. They're the next NBA players from Australia. They're, you know, they're going to have the world ahead of them. And um, so we're training with them and playing a game and I played really well. That was the first practice session that I had back. And, and yeah, and I think from that moment on, the girls were just like, oh, I said, we see why she's back. I took a big charge, hit some shots, yada, yada, yada. The rest is history. Like, then they realized it was serious and, you know, yeah. <laughs> so, so then, and um, sporty organizations do it so well now. Um, you get a Zoom call the from the coach. Now and um, <laughs> congratulations, uh, Lauren Jackson. Uh, no. Going to another World Cup. So you should be um, incredibly proud, Lauren. And, I am incredibly, incredibly proud because what you did to to achieve this is really, it really is amazing. It shows a lot about you as a person and a hard worker and your dedication. And um, you know, hey, you put your mind to it, and here it is. So, yeah, you've been selected to represent the Opals at the World Cup, Lauren Jackson. It's not your first one, and uh, hopefully, it'll be a great one. Wow, I can't. I don't know what to say. Um... Thank you. <laughs> you. You were you were actually speechless. Um, so, so uh, does that? How, how's that work? Do you know right that um, Sandy's going to put you on a Zoom at ten fifteen on a on a Tuesday, or uh, how, how does that process work? And so, this is selection now to play in in the World Cup. Like you're off to your fifth World Cup if you get the nod. Well, that camp, so I had to get through that. So I'm still jumping through hoops at this point. I had to get through that four-day camp and train like three or four times. I can't remember because it was like building me up so that I could play in a 10-day tournament, like eight games in 10 days or something. So I don't think anyone's expectation was that I would get through that camp um, fit, you know, still able to move. And I did. Um, It was painful, but like I got through it. (laughs) And the next test was this New York New York trip. And um, I got, uh, yeah, went to New York. We had like eight sessions in 10 days and I had to get through that um, and then, you know, also be good enough to make the team. Um, and so, yeah, went over to New York, trained all the sessions, did what I was supposed to do. And, yeah, and then it was, um, Sandy had to do the calls with everyone and tell them whether or not they'd made the team. So I had my call and that's how it happened. 
I and at this point still I did not expect to make the team. I really didn't. I was like my whole thought process was, well, I'm here. It's an opportunity. I'm just going to take it. It doesn't, like, I'm not letting anyone down, you know, and I think people in the back of people's minds are like, she's only playing NBL1. There's no way she'd be able to compete um, at that level. And we played games against Canada and um, some of the guys over there training players for New York Liberty. And, yeah, like, you just can't, you know, I'm a competitor. <laughs> so so we, we see, yeah. like, your stun reaction it's, you don't look like you can believe it. What's what's what we don't see is the next hour for you when the Zoom call finishes. What what's the next hour for you? Yeah, I um I didn't I was stunned, so I couldn't really speak. I um, was a bit teary. I went over and sat with my parents, and I think I was just like, I'm going to embarrass the shit out of myself. I am just like because my kids are at school, so I was just sitting there with them, like, what the. And then it was like, all right, I'm going to be gone the whole of September. Like, what am I going to do with the kids? How is this going to work? So in my head, like, it's sort of, again, jumping ahead and I've had to make such a conscious effort of just, like, day by day. Um, So, yeah, there was a lot going on in my head. But I I didn't, I couldn't, I was in shock. I was just, I couldn't speak for a little while and I I was just very much in my head. With the... um with the medical cannabis, do you then uh, like do you go to to WADA or whoever it may be? This is an ignorant question, so apologies in advance for it. And do you do you tell them what's happening and you get uh, apply for an exemption or how does how does that side of it work when you when you're now playing international elite sport again? Well, as soon as I started playing for Albury, I had to um, apply for a TUE, so I had to actually go off it like in March, um, and then. I stayed off it until that TUE came through. So that ah. um, that didn't actually come through until September, like probably two weeks out of the World Cup. And I got it, thank God. Um, but, yeah, it was, yeah, that was a hard process. But, like, I understand why it's hard. Yes. Um, there's reasons for that and, and yeah. So did, did, did without the relief or pain relief, did your body drop off again? Did you, like when you said you noticed it, it got to a, a more positive point, does it get back to a negative point or no? Well, I think it's just a load thing. You know, the more you load, the harder it gets. But I put myself in a really good situation by getting as strong as I could possibly get and getting as fit as I could get in that period of time. So the work had already been done um, up to like to get me back out on court and stuff. So, I mean, look, obviously it's painful and it hurts. Yeah. But it's, and it still does. But I think that's just the life of a professional athlete. It did give me the opportunity to to get back out on the court in the first place um, oh, yeah. and get my life back, you know, and that's as an athlete, as a, um, yeah, as someone who's a physical human who uses her body, um, it, it gave me the opportunity to train again. So, And so then what, what's the moment, Lauren, uh, is, it, is it a warm-up game? Is it when you get your singlet again or what? what's the moment where the full enormity, probably a lot of us would look at it as what we've achieved. Uh, knowing you a little bit from the last podcast, it's more looking, oh, my gosh, what's ahead of me. But when's the moment when the full enormity or like, did you have a moment where you're like, wow, this this is happening and, and even well done to me for getting to this point or was there no well done for me? 
No, I don't think the well done part happened, but I, <laughs> I reckon when I was in New York, so before I even got selected in the team, I um, when I got my uniform again and I was playing in a game against Canada and I was on the bus on the way to this game against Canada um, with all my teammates listening to music, you know, um, I'd just gotten off the phone to Harry. He's crying because he misses me. And then I'm <laughs> in the bus on the way to play for Australia again. And... I I got emotional. I started crying. I got really overwhelmed in that moment. And, um, but that was the only time it happened. You know, I think I, like I said, I go through these stages and I think that they're sort of milestones in me evolving. And and then you sort of learn from them, you get stronger from them and you can move on. But that was, that was probably the moment. And then I played terrible, (laughs) like 5,000, 10 minutes. (laughs) So it comes to the World Cup. Then it's the real deal. Then it's not sort of, practice games or uh, what, what's the what's the first game in Australia's pool game where you run back out on the court at, at a home World Cup? Home World Cup, yeah, it was, that is all a blur. I can't even, to be honest, I really can't even process how I was feeling at that moment. Um, the, the whole, I actually went and played back in Sydney at the arena um, only a couple of weeks ago with the Flyers and I just had this massive ball of anxiety in my stomach. I just felt I was driving into Olympic Park like, oh, my God, the stress. So I think that period, that whole, you know, sort of three or four weeks um, was really, you know, stressful um, because, you know, you want to achieve for Australia, playing in front of Australia, playing in front of your fans and your families and everything like that. And then for me as a 41-year-old, um, coming out of retirement, I didn't want to let people down too. And I think in the back of my mind too, I was kind of like, it's. I, I didn't know what people thought, like whether they thought it was a sideshow or a joke or whatever. And I was just taken into the team based on my history, not merit, you know, and I was really worried mm. that people sort of felt that or thought that. And um, and you and you were, let's be honest, globally, you were the biggest story at the World Cup. Whether you wanted to be or not, you were the biggest story at the whole event. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. How'd that go for you? Well, you know, I didn't, like I said, I didn't really, I tried to sort of stay away from it as much as possible, you know, and just I'm pretty good at compartmentalising things and, um, yeah, just tried to do that. So just two games I want to ask you about, the semifinal versus China. Um, The Opals lose. They go inside to Ezzy. She drives, she puts it up and she misses. China are celebrating because they are going to the finals of this year's FIBA Women's Basketball World Cup. You don't have hardly any court time at all, I think a a couple of minutes. As a 41-year-old losing a World Cup semifinal, is it any different to a 25-year-old losing a World Cup semifinal in in how you felt afterwards? No. um, You know, you never want to lose. And, yeah, and I think for me there was – yeah, I went into that team trying like just wanting to be the best teammate I could be. So whether that was being on the bench or like being on the court, I just wanted to contribute, you know, in a way that was really positive um, for my teammates. So there, I didn't get a lot of court time throughout, throughout the entire tournament, which was fine, you know, but I made sure that I was cheering, that I was supportive, that I, you know, gave everything. And so, when the girls lost that game, um, there was like disappointment, absolutely. But it was more important for me to be able to support, you know, like Tolo and my teammates and and 
get them ready for the next game, which was going to be the most important game. So that was sort of my mindset. It was like, yeah, I can feel whatever I feel, but at the end of the day, it's not about me, it's about them. And were you comfortable after for so long being the best, the best player in your team, the best player in the competition, how did you deal with the fact that you possibly weren't the best in the team? I'm not. I'm an old woman. <laughs> like, Sorry, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't quite know how to say that. Um, right. What was the mental shift for you, um, because as as one of the most competitive athletes that I think's ever been on this podcast? Uh, there wasn't a mental shift. I think it's just knowing, having self awareness. Right? It's knowing yep. who you are, where you've come from. Like I hadn't played. Like I hadn't played a proper game in eight years. So. I wasn't, I never anticipated that I would get back to the point where I'd be the centrepiece of a team again. But I know that what I have um, is still very valuable in terms of my insights and what I know about the game, how I know how teams work, leadership, and what I've learned along the way. Like that stuff is so much more valuable um, and was more valuable to the team than what I was able to contribute on court. That's it, really. Like, and, and that's the competitive stuff too. When I was out on the court, I was still yelling at people. I was still throwing elbows. I was doing everything I could. <laughs> so that's not like that hasn't changed, but it's all the other stuff that I could bring to the table, which I think helped, you know. So tell me about the bronze medal match. And, and if you don't say what you did, I'll have to say it, but you tell me about it from your perspective. Um, well, I don't know what happened. And I think... Most people that were at the stadium that night will say to you, what the hell, don't know what happened, don't know what we just watched. I know my parents said that. I said that. I, you know, I don't think I hit a turnaround jump shot all tournament. And then, but that's who I was as a basketball player. I hit turnaround jump shots in the post. So they just started falling. And you know what? I'd been training a lot and training against Sam at home in Albury and, doing that every single day, like these turnaround jump shots, and they hadn't been falling, even in NBL 1. And they just started falling at the right time. So it was good. So for those that aren't aware, at age 41, Lauren was by far and away the best player on the court in the bronze medal match, shot 30 points. The crowd was in awe. They go inside. Lauren Jackson doing what Lauren Jackson does. Again, they get it back in to Lauren Jackson. And Anthony! Jackson, Jackson, Jackson. A standing ovation here. 30 points here today in the bronze medal game. And what a career by Lauren Jackson, the Australian. I can't comprehend the inspiration you must have provided to so many members of the community, which we'll get to. But the moments when you're just draining threes and commentary is going off and it's this is Lauren Jackson that we used to see and then you chaired off the court how is it when the when the buzzer goes and you've played like no one could have believed you could have played and you've won the bronze medal and then your teammates are lifting you on their shoulders it's it's it, it, I, for me it was the greatest moment in Australian sport for 2022 it really was big. they want to lift her up and she's saying no way no way they can do it come on now The greatest of all time gets the greatest farewell of all time. The farewell she deserves, the farewell she was denied the first time around when injury robbed us of a chance to say thank you. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, 
I don't know. Like, I don't know. The team, my teammates were beautiful. Like, they're such beautiful humans. And I think, um, you know, I think, like, there was a lot of apprehension when I first came into that squad. Like, so to be able to build that sort of trust and that those relationships with those girls, like first and foremost, was really special. Like this whole journey has been so special. But, um, yeah, to be able to win a bronze medal with them and then, you know, sort of finish that way, it was, yeah, it was something that I'll never forget. And, um, yeah, I just, like I said, I, I'm really thankful, like, to Sandy and, and all the girls as well just for giving me the opportunity to do it. So modest, always so modest, Lauren Jackson, so modest. How did you bust your foot? Playing basketball, yeah. So in December uh, we are in Perth and, yeah, I broke my foot. So this is playing for the the Southside Flyers now? Yeah, so um, thought it was arthritis, get a couple of, you know, cortisone injections and then, um, yeah, just like in my mind I was like, right, so this is my new normal, arthritis in my foot, it's killing me, I either quit now or... I just, I have to finish the season and that's it, you know. But it was, it's been very painful. Um, and then I went back to the doctor and I was like, you know, you're going to have to give me some more shots because I can't actually walk. And like after games, I'm, it's, I can't sleep. I can't walk for a couple of days. It's brutal. And they're like, oh, well, just go and get your scan. And as soon as we saw the scans, it was like, oh, it's broken. Um, ligament damage. Um, it's a Liz Frank. Yep something so it's pretty nasty for anybody that knows anything about those things um but I think because I thought it was arthritis and because I played for like three weeks before I found out it was broken it sort of gave me the confidence to to play through it it's not healing it's it definitely isn't you know doing what it should be doing at the moment but um I've just got to try and get through as much as I can and Hopefully that's to the end of the season. Why, Lauren? Like <laughs> your second part of your basketball career has gone beyond what anyone – if I'd said to you three years ago, you're going to come back, you're going to play in the Opals, you're going to shoot 30 points in a bronze medal match and you're going to be a, 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 loved once again by all Australians. Like why now continue to play? So I just – I I know when it's over, it's over. And um, I've made a commitment to this team, you know, and I know we can win a championship this year if we stay healthy. And, I mean, even though I'm not healthy, I think I'm still contributing to us, you know, on the court. And I just don't want to walk. Like, I can't stop. Like, unless I actually physically can't play anymore, I'm not going to walk away, you know. So I'll just get through until I can't handle it anymore. And then... um, that will be the determining factor. But like I said, if I had found out it was broken, you know, back in December, I probably would have stopped then. But because I had a, I had to play through it for that period of time, like, I, you know, I couldn't just be like, oh, it's broken, I'm stopping. You know what I mean? So when you walk off the court at the end of a Flyers game, what's your recovery and how sore is it and how do you go getting to sleep that night or the next night? Like where are you actually at physically? I mean, it's painful. I'm not going to lie. Like, it hurts. Um, and, yeah, it's ice, a lot of ice. Try and numb it as much as I can. But, like, yeah, it, it's hard to sleep. Like, it's it's an injury. Like, it's a, it's a real broken bone. So it's not, you know, it is what it is. Back to Lauren shortly. Now, some of the craziest, wackiest, wildest stories this pod has ever heard featured another basketballer 
Luke Longley on episode 39. Now, Luke, big man, triple NBA champion and played with one of the most storied teams in the history of the game, the Chicago Bulls. You know them. Michael, Dennis, Scotty. Yeah, you know them. Not only have you played in one of the most amazing teams ever, mate, you're blessed enough to play and be good enough to play with mm. arguably the greatest athlete full stop. Yeah, well, the That's days cool. when I didn't know if I was good enough because he's he, – he, and Scotty Pippen too were just our next level over there in terms of their ability. But the thing that about Michael was the power of his personality too. Like when he started practising with us, the whole practice came up a couple of levels and he just he drove the whole thing with his with his will and his personality and, and we practised longer and harder, you know, um, because he was there and we had, um, you know, the scrimmages were more intense. And a lot, that year we went 72 and 10. A lot of our scrimmages at practice were, were more intense than the games. We were blowing people out on the court. But at practice, Michael and Scotty would match up against each other and me and Dennis would often match up against each other and have these big fights. It was great. That is Luke Longley back on episode 39. Let's continue with Lauren. The photos that have really hit me is you after a game with your foot in a bucket of ice with basically the entire stadium of children lining up to get an autograph with you. How has it been to be a heroine and a role model for a whole nother generation of kids? I wouldn't say a heroine or a role model. I would, I would, I would, but you you, you call it what you want, but I would. Um, I would say it's more like it's special because it, it does span generations, right? So there's a lot of people who are younger than me who have got kids and they're like, oh, we grew up watching you play and now my kids are watching you play and you're inspiring our children and it's that's really special, you know, and that to me, you know, having kids of my own and wanting them to know that they can be whoever they want to be like and, and achieve whatever they want to achieve, I think that's something that they they will grow up knowing, you know, whatever they want, if they work hard, they can achieve it. You know what I mean? And I think that's a really important lesson for all kids. Um, and then, yeah, it's it is it's magic. Like just being able to play again. Um, I know it's not going to last forever, but it's been incredible. Like it's been the best twelve months of my life. So has it really? After everything you've achieved? Yeah, for sure. Because my kids are here. You know, they've seen me achieve it. Um, I've done something that not a lot of people do at this age, you know, and and I also proved to myself something that I never thought I could do. Um, I proved something to myself about myself that, yeah, I never thought I was capable of achieving. So, When you're signing those autographs, true story or not, I think I read that uh, the rest of the team goes home and you continue to sign and potentially have to get Ubers back to the hotel by yourself. Is that a true story? Very true. Although if Harry's with me, he stays with me, my little boy. He's always right by my side. Um, and my coach stayed with me last game, which was nice of her, so that was good. So you're not going to be able to answer this, but try. The season finishes, you go out. However, uh, then what happens with your professional basketball career or you have no idea i'm yeah i'm gonna have to have surgery probably on my foot um and then i'll rehab that and then i'll just see what happens i'm hoping to sign for for the bandits again like and and play for them um at the end of the season it's a long season the nbl one in in new south wales so um 
you know, we'll, and then we'll see. Who knows? <laughs> so because of the unusual Olympic years, there's an Olympics in Paris in 2024. So there's an Olympics in Paris now in – you you probably know greater than I, but it's probably, what, 16, 17 months away? Mm. Yeah. Okay. So I say to you, Lauren, there's an Olympics in Paris in 15 months. What do you say to me? I say, awesome. I can't wait to watch it. Watch it from the side of the court or watch it from your house in Albury? Oh, mate, honestly, like I said, not looking any further than what I can right now. And, and, you know, I did say that I'd played my last game for Australia and in my mind right now I, I totally feel that that is, that's it. Like I don't. Um, the toll, like I said, it's taken on my kids and even leaving my yep. children last night. Um, I can't keep doing this because of them, um, you know, so. Okay. A couple more questions for you. What have you learned about yourself in this process? Um, that I'm resilient, um, that I can achieve anything that I put my mind to, absolutely, um, within the realm of, you know, Possibility. I think that that I am, um, yeah. That I, I'm just proud of myself. I am proud of myself. It's been hard, so you know. And of of the hundreds of thousands of messages and people that have come up to you in basketball stadiums or sent you messages or told you, I saw you play here, there. Is there one to summarise that someone said something to you and you've gone? that's pretty cool about the effect you've had on those around you in the community? No, I mean, I probably, I don't know. Um, I, a lot of people say a lot of things, you know, our last game against Adelaide, I threw the, I turned the ball over like with, I don't know, there's probably like 10 seconds to go and we were one point down and yeah. I turned the ball over. Right. And then anyway, we magically got the ball back and my teammate shot a basket, won the game for us, which was awesome. But, you know, I felt like I, you know, made a, blunder and it was it was horrible and I'm signing autographs and this woman comes up to me and she goes you almost won the game for us and I was like thank you and then she you know put her stuff in front of me to sign photos and everything so there's like moments like that all the time and I'm just like yeah it's isn't it funny like isn't it funny um look I think it's uh, it's just the people, like it's the whole experience, I think, getting out to training every single day, my teammates, the fans, it's my work, it's everything. Like it's, I think just the impact that it's having, It's I can see it and I can feel it and, um, you know, it's special. It's so special and you, you'll shake your head or not look me in the eye or blush as you do, but I, I was thinking about this as you look down and don't look at me. Uh, I, was think, I was thinking, yeah, it is a bit, totes orcs, as my kids would say. I was thinking about this and, and I was trying to picture in my head um, in my time comebacks that I'd seen in Australian sport and I, 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 I work as a sports journal, a sports reporter, um, I can't think of one to match what you've done from where you were physically and mentally and where you were heading in your life as we heard at this podcast. I can't think of a greater sporting comeback that I can remember from an Australian athlete. I really can't. I know. It's crazy. Um, purely just because I think the time that elapsed, you know, like to think where my life was, where I was physically and emotionally, you know, um, it's, you know, it's different. It's, 
it's a different story for sure and it doesn't happen very often. But I think if I've given people inspiration to get back in shape and, like, especially mums who are athletes as well, like knowing that they can come back at any age, well, not maybe not any age, but I'm still, I'm in my 40s, you know what I mean? And I've been able to achieve this. Anyone can do it. If I can do it, trust me, anyone can do it. So so that was that's why, as you know, we normally finish about lessons for kids, but I think for anyone in the community that is sitting at home thinking, I wish or I think or I could, what advice would you give them? You definitely can. You definitely can. But it is trusting a process and nothing happens overnight. Like it really took me probably seven months before I got on court, you know, and started training like on court again. I really had to commit to getting strong and getting my body to a place where it could handle. So just, you know, having the having the right people around, getting the right advice and then um, and then just committing to a process. Like I said, it wasn't a lot of training, but it was just that consistency and, yeah, and I don't, yeah, it's, it just builds up and, yeah, you can do it. Congratulations on, on what you've done, but what you've done for your boys and your community and your sport of basketball and and so many people you've given a lift to and and inspired, which is a very cool gift, Lauren. I, um, I, and I know personally, because I sent you this photo the other day, um, we said it in the original podcast that my very first Olympic interview I ever did was you after you'd... Uh, won a silver medal at the 2004 Athens Olympics. And a friend of mine, Adrian Brown, um, we'd been doing some, putting together some vision of you and he sent me the screenshot of me interviewing you, my first ever Olympic interview. And there's the two of us. And my first thought as when I sent it to you is, were we ever that young? Like, <laughs> we, 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 like or are we that now old? But geez, we look young and full of life. You just come off a silver medal. And I was like, wow, this is Lauren Jackson. This is my first Olympic interview ever. It was, and to get the photo, it was really cool. It is. Yeah, it is. It's a great photo. Um, yeah, those were the days. But these yeah. are the better days, I reckon. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, good luck. Good luck with the rest of the season. Um, you're a star. You've given me a thrill having a chat. Um, go well and well done for inspiring so many people. Lauren, you star. Good on you. Thank you very much. Well, I hope that gave you a lift like it did me. LJ's kids watching her now play, that's got to get you in the feels, as the cool kids say these days, in the feels. Thanks to LJ for being on the show for a second time. What a superstar she is on and off the court. Whitewater rafting on the agenda for myself and the crew this afternoon, so we need to get rolling. Until next week. (laughs) I don't care if you've never watched wrestling in your life, you need to tune in to the new day. Mm, Peace and love. And we can do it if we try, try, try. If we try, try, try If we try, try, try